Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 286. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy that you're here to join us today. I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Bill Nowicki. Bill is a storyteller from Nowicki Media and is an engineer, and you are still an engineer, right, in in the nuclear industry? I am. But you were called to pursue your true purpose, which is telling other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Bill, can you share more about what that journey looked like for you and how you realized that that was your purpose? Yeah. Well, I guess I'll start from the beginning. I, I grew up in a big family. And by the time my parents got to me, there was a disconnect between what had to be known and <laughs> what I didn't know. So, for instance, I went to school and I didn't know what a last name was. And I guess somebody told somebody else to inform me of my full name, but at, at home I never had to worry about it. But anyway, so I kind of grew up grew up in a, an environment that I really didn't have, here's what you got to do next. And it wasn't a, a bunch of uh, information that I could use, you know, just day in, day out. I had to figure out the rules as I went along, which was actually uh, – pretty positive. I didn't know any different, of course, but so when I got to be in high school and, and people said, what are you going to do after high school? I really didn't have a plan. I didn't know the next step. So I, I started uh, scooping ice cream at the friendlies in uh, Massachusetts, an ice cream store. And about a year after that, I gave up that promising career to join the Navy. And at that point, I found out that my I had a, enough aptitude to get in the nuclear program, so I started uh, studying that and working hard for the first time in my life, really, with a goal to become a nuclear operator. And Bill, it was I kinda... need to pause you for a second. <laughs> so I went from ice cream to nuclear. <laughs> no kidding. Enough aptitude is like an understatement because isn't that <laughs> at like the top of the the testing scale? Like, well. Uh, it's it's a little different. The n- nuclear navy really forms you into what they need you to be. So it's not a lot of it's it's I won't say rote memorization, but there's uh, it's just a really rigorous uh, learn all these things, and they don't ask why. And I'll, I'll get into how college changed me from there. But uh, yeah, it's it was difficult though. And but the the alternative is so. You know, uh, if you don't pass a class in the high school or whatever, you retake it. But in this program, if you fail, then like one of my buddies failed and he was sent to a oiler, which is a big ship that just refuels sh- other ships. He was sent to the Mediterranean like three days after he failed. I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I just, you know, kept on going and. You know, did fairly well in past, but that was the first time where I started scratching my head. I said, maybe, maybe I can do this stuff because, you know, until I was put in that position, I never really knew what I was capable of doing. So anyway. Wow. <laughs> so where did you go from there? Okay. So I went 
on a submarine. I was on a submarine for four years, uh, new construction, went under, ran a, a couple runs up in the North Atlantic, was confined <laughs> confined with 105 of my buddies for uh, weeks and sometimes months uh, at a time. And again, that was a really transformative experience for me. And that what's really uh, helped me hone my storytelling skills, because they are skills just like anything else. But of course, we'd have all kinds of funny stories going in the port and and uh, you know, doing things on board the sub and messing with guys and and uh, being able to tell those stories is you know was really one of those things that connected you to humanity because it's it's a real it's a tough environment uh being enclosed in a, <laughs> in a submarine for weeks and months and and it's that deprivation that your brain just tries to find things to do and i started reading i never read a book really so my whole life kind of changed after that um, <laughs> i was just about to say i mean i get claustrophobic watching yeah. Uh, the hunt for Red October. So I can't uh, imagine spending, I can't imagine spending 15 minutes on a submarine that wasn't just a tour. I mean, even on tours that I've been on, I was like, where's the exit? Get me off. Yeah. Did you have to deal at all with that? I know that's so like getting off track of where we were going. No, but no, that's okay. Now the, I would say to me, it's very similar to being on an airplane. I mean, you wouldn't say I got to get out of the airplane, but it's just that same feeling where, okay, I'm on this thing and you know, you just can't see much. <laughs> There's no windows or anything. So, you know, you basically listen this to hear what else is out there. And, you know, several times subs have hit other things under underwater mi- mountains and other subs and ships and things. But so it's just you get used to the environment. And I was, you know, uh, I was very adaptive. I learned that as a kid. So if I, nobody else was freaking out, I didn't freak out either. So I just kind of got along with everybody. And, you know, that was just the environment we were in. Wow. Are you able to share one funny story that happened from down there? Oh, yeah. I got many. So we were out to sea, like, I think three and a half weeks or something. And you did maneuvers out in the Atlantic and did different things. So we were coming in and I had saved a Swiss Miss instant cocoa and having those are pretty rare. So you might have one case of those for the whole boat versus a Navy issued uh, nondescript hot cocoa. You might have five of those cases. So I, I, kept one because I was going to be on watch in maneuvering. That's where you operate the n- nuclear plant for eight hours. So you're transiting from the where you have to surface into port it takes eight hours time. So I was, you know, made my hot cocoa. I mixed it so all the lumps were out of it and it was looked perfect. And I went in to take my watch and I put it behind me because there's no room you might expect in the sub. Well, the cup holders behind like my left shoulder. So I swung around, put it in there. And I told all my buddies, there's probably six people jammed in this maneuver for this maneuvering watch. And uh, I was telling my buddies how much better Swiss Miss Instant Cocoa is. And they're like, I should have known because they're all like, yeah, uh-huh, yep, you're right. And by the time I turned around to get a swig, it was completely gone. They had 
handed it around to everybody in maneuvering, and they all took a swig. By the time I turned around, that thing was completely empty, and I just lost it. I was, and I'm not a very uh, out of control person. And when I started yelling, they were all laughing, and they were calling people over to to hear other people laughing, and I was just so upset. And it was over a dumb packet of Swiss mints instant cocoa. But that's the kind of thing that you really look forward to, you know, when it was taken away from me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not like you can just go to the supermarket. I mean, you could yeah. be waiting weeks, it sounds like, yeah. to get back into a port that you could actually get more. Yeah, and that's actually the limiting thing that, that keeps boats from staying out forever. You have enough fuel, you make your own oxygen, you get rid of carbon dioxide, you make water, but you can't make food. So we have to go back in after, I think the max, the max we were out were 74 days, but you're, after a while you run out of food. And things that you wouldn't think about is we only had powdered milk, uh, no salads, no fresh anything, just canned. And it was it's a it's a tough life, and you know we laugh. Uh, you know, prison. You at least get an hour outside <laughs> to enjoy the sunshine. We didn't get that, so it's pretty tough. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't really think about that. You know, I would have. <laughs> this is just how yeah. my brain works, but I would have been thinking about you know bag salads. But I guess you can't you can't even freeze yeah. those if you did have a freezer because nobody. Well, we wants. did, but the frozen. Yeah, you can't do anything with the milk, and and you run out. Yeah, I would say two weeks in, you were you were completely out of anything fresh, which leaves a long sixty days left <laughs> yeah. if you're out there. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh we my talked gosh. about going to get to a salad bar when we were out. That's what we talked about coming in. It's like, man, I can't wait to get. And Wendy's at the time had the best salad bar back in the '80s, so we said, yeah, I can't wait to get to Wendy's, and you know, I'm going to put tomatoes i love their tomatoes and we go into all this detail about <laughs> salads oh my gosh this so weird. you weren't even talking about their burgers you're talking about their salad yeah, bar. Salad bar. Yeah, oh yeah you totally miss it yeah it's, that it's is a something really... i wouldn't have expected i mean you watch survivor oh. like the the show survivor and they're talking about how they just want oh, their right. burger or their pizza but i would have never thought about well i guess yeah. they have they at least have coconuts <laughs> sometimes right but yeah, yeah. So it was, yeah. it's totally it's totally weird environment. Like this is something you would never think of, but it makes sense after you hear it. I'm going to tell your listeners this story real quick. So we were underwater 74 days, and the air is recirculated the entire time. And like I said, you put in oxygen, take out carbon dioxide. It's precipitated, so all the fumes and everything is gets run through filters. And by the time we ventilated, which means you you stick a pipe up and take in fresh air. I remember walking around by the cruise mess and I said, man, it smells like, you know, excrement. I didn't use that word, but I was like, man, it really smells terrible. And the guy laughed and says, oh, that's fresh air. I said, what do you mean? He goes, that's fresh air. He goes, think about it. Uh, there's bacteria and everything dying in the ocean. <laughs> and he said, you just get used to it. You don't realize. And he was right. So two hours later, it didn't smell bad. But that first like hour and a half, it smelled horrible. The fresh air smelled horrible. Fresh air smelled horrible. That's you think about it, it makes sense, but I had no clue. Yeah, I mean, if you were Bill, I have five kids, and we mm. have a number of animals, so I can't even imagine 
yeah, you know, <laughs> being closed up with everything in here and I don't, I don't care how it's mm. filtered. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah and we didn't in have here. any dust. We didn't have yeah. any dust. All the, the only dust we had was cigarette smoke, you know, cigarette ashes, but they don't even allow cigarette smoke anymore. So yeah, that was it. No with a hundred other people, not just oh, yeah. my, oh my heavens, no, thank you. Well, well, the thing you do learn, and this is something I carry with me all the time, is I have a way to connect with everybody I meet. And when I hear people say, I don't want to have to deal with this person, the reality is I learned that doesn't make sense to me when I hear people say that. You have to be able to deal with every person uh, on some level. So if they're interested in soccer, you know, talk about soccer, but because you depended on everybody too, from the cook on down, everybody depended on everybody else doing their job and doing it right. We could end up at the bottom, you know, quite literally at the bottom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what happened next? Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I got out after six years, I met my wife, got married and I had determined, you know, out of one of these uh, trips that I wanted to get my degree. So I went to school, got my electrical engineering degree, and that's where they teach you all the uh, reasons behind the equations and Maxwell's equations and all those really heavy-duty things that we didn't know in the Navy, but we were just given the output, plug these numbers in here. We were actually figured out where all that came from. And it was a fascinating experience for me because I it was, it was like the first time in my life that it's like I can understand the real world through mathematics and physics. And it was just the whole thing was just fascinating to me. It was not easy, but I enjoyed uh, having that opportunity. And then uh, I got my first job in uh, a nuclear plant and I worked there eight years and went to another nuclear plant, worked there 12 years. And then I came to Atlanta. And that's, again, a, a, I had lots of opportunities over my 25-year career in the nuclear industry. But when I came to Atlanta, I, I got hired to kind of help the rest of the industry with a specific skill I had developed at the plant I was working. And uh, what I found when I came down here, it was they wanted me to be an evaluator and fit in to that mold. An evaluator, you go out and you spend two weeks going through all the engineering aspects of a nuclear plant and look for gaps in their behaviors and different things. And then you write a report and then they give them a score at the end of it. So they're rated one through five uh, and five, they're basically shut down. One is the best. It's considered excellence and blah, blah, blah. But I was more of a facilitative leader that helped uh, teams execute projects and that's what i tried to bring to the institute but so there was a disconnect between the two week uh, slam them around and <laughs> tell them what's right what excellence looks like versus it being a facilitative leader and helping the people in the team do their best and put the best you know team together and all those type of things i learned so i really was struggling so i i hired a coach and his name's Gary O'Malley, and it was trans another transformative part of my life because he asked me, you know, about myself, and 
I could tell by from the first day that he was the real deal. So he asked me the question, uh, what kind of person are you? I said, well, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I really like people and blah, blah, blah. And I, he said, okay. And, I said, well, and then he said, well, tell me about your perfect day. And I said, oh, well, that's easy. I said, I'm on a sailboat. I can feel the wind. I can, you know, I'm, I have a tack going across a long strip of uh, water and I can uh, feel the sun. It's beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, give me another example. I said, well, I'm cooking on the grill and I could smell the aromatic fish that I have in the banana leaf. You know, I get all these details. And he said, I thought you were an extrovert. I said, I am. And he said, well, you're a perfect day. You're, you're by yourself. And I, said, hmm. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I thought you just said <laughs> well, you were an extrovert. Well, see, I didn't put two, two together. So maybe I should have you as a coach too, Kim. But anyway, so we spent, I don't know, six, nine months. Because at this point, I'm totally bought in. It's like, I don't know. I guess I don't know about myself. And he basically explained to me, because I can't make you a better evaluator. What I can do is tell you the way you're wired and then help you on that start that journey. And that's where he identified uh, media, like video, uh, podcasting, storytelling. And I said, well, what do I do now? And he said, well, start, start finding other people to do similar things. And that's exactly what I did. Oh, wow. Well, I, I will not deny that I'm an introvert. However, I love getting on to the podcast mm. and talking to people like you. Mm. But I, I also love, you know, being able to, at the end of the episode, say goodbye and know that, yes, I would love to meet you someday mm -hmm. in person, but I love my silence. Right. So at the end, well, I'm... I do have to ask, do you still consider yourself an extrovert or do you think you are an introvert now? I don't know. That's a good question because I do, I do like when I do a podcasting episode, I I'm totally energized at the end. Uh, but uh, there's a part of me that needs to also just spend time alone. Like my brother, when I was growing up in that big family, my brother and I used to just go on these adventures and we like build a raft whatever but we didn't hardly talk we just started working on a raft and putting it together uh i, I liked being around him but it, it wasn't like we were checking in with one or another or having long lengthy conversations and it was just that we had this common goal so i don't know what you call that maybe i am more of an introvert than an extroverted let me try that again an extroverted introvert there you go we like our little times that we can get yeah. out there and get energized, but then we also take great comfort in knowing that we have that time alone. I was mm -hmm. really surprised to hear that Murray Furlio, are you familiar with her? Mm -hmm. Yep. She's actually an introvert. I so her it. closest friends, I hope I'm referring to the right person, but I'm pretty sure it was Marie. Her closest friends know that if she's at a party, there may come the point that she just needs to escape for a little bit mm -hmm. and just wind down because right. I'm the same way. You know, I, I will enjoy an event and meeting a lot of new people, but it takes so much energy out of me mm. to be surrounded and talking to people all day. And I, even when my kids are home, Oh my goodness. You know, at the, mm -hmm. I think that's why I love Mondays so much because all of a sudden after two full days of crazy, like in my face with my children mm -hmm. that I, I get space. And I right. have 
quiet again, at least for six hours. Right. It's yeah. me. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I need that too. And, you know, when I was managing uh, large groups of people at the nuclear plant, I recognized that when I got into that mode and I had to be like quiet and sit by myself, people would come up and say, are you okay, Bill? And I'd have to put on a brave face because it was, I was amazed at how people look at you for, cause they think, you know, there's something bad going on <laughs> and they might lose their jobs and all this other stuff. And I was like, no, I'm just trying to think of things or decompress a little. And it looks like I'm stressed out, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had those times where I'm at events and I'm just sitting there taking everybody in and it's not that I'm trying to be in social, unsocial. Right. I think I'm making up words here. Antisocial. Yeah. And thank you. Antisocial, but I'm really not, but I get so much enjoyment out of people watching. Right. And just, I, I'm not trying to live vicariously through them, but I just get so much joy out of watching everybody else's energy sometimes like right. yeah yeah go dance to thriller i'm gonna have a blast watching you but that doesn't mean i'm getting on stage to join you yeah, i got you <laughs> yeah so i'd love if you would share about your podcast yeah. okay well in 2014 i started submarine sea stories uh again not having a clue but I thought, oh, here are some ways to reconnect because I did love those stories and my friends I made on the sub. So I thought I could reintroduce them to the world through, you know, getting them on the podcast. And I was surprised to realize people, other people were interested <laughs> in that also. And, you know, I currently have uh, 137,000 downloads and I've been up there on iTunes charts back when it first launched and and uh, and part of that was interesting. The interesting part was not just re, uh, catching up with and with my friends and meeting new people. It was that uh, transformative nature of being on a submarine. So most of the stories go something like this: I was a clueless uh, person that worked at a Friendly's ice cream. And then all of a sudden I'm on a sub and I have to now perform these duties that I never even envisioned I could do. And I did it. And I was surrounded by a bunch of people that counted on me and we became a team. And then that part of their lives kind of carried forward and it applies to many different attributes, you know, very many different places in your life as you start your career outside the military. So that's kind of the basic story. And I enjoyed doing that because there was a lot of guys, like I had one guy, Ed Andre, I'll never forget this, is I saw him, he's active on Facebook. So I reached out to him. I would love to have you on the podcast. And he was, uh, he was all excited. And I got him on Skype and I was ready to go. And I said, well, how are you doing, Ed? And he goes, well, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't sleep last night. So you didn't sleep last night. I said, you nervous? He goes, no, not really. Because I just don't have anything to say. And it kind of really hit me that here's my job is to show him he is, does have a story. And it was a great interview. He talked a lot and told some funny stories, some uh, really cool things about his career. And at the end, he said, you know, that I, I guess I am more interesting than I thought. 
So to be able to give that gift to him was something that I didn't realize I had. But it goes back to that Gary O'Malley guy that told me, this is the way you're wired. Something's going to happen. Just keep doing it. And he was right. So I did, I did that weekly for probably a year or so. Then I was like, well, I haven't done anything with my video business. I don't know where to start, but I do know how to interview people. So why don't I start a local podcast? So I started Marietta Stories in 2016. I do a similar format where I interview people in town, historians and business owners and government people, superintendent of schools, and find out what their stories are and put it up uh, weekly. And it's been, um, I, you know, again, I thought it would be a great way to uh, meet business owners, which it is, but it's more about building relationships. And after that 30, 45 minute interview, I feel like I know the person I interviewed, which makes, you know, my whole life better. So when I go into town and I see somebody, I know what to say besides just how's your wife doing? How's your job? Now I know, Hey, this guy, uh, you know, like one guy interviewed, uh, he's from Puerto Rico and he, his mom worked in a factory. She was making $3.50 an hour and she, he wanted to help her out. So at 12 years old, he picked the mangoes from his backyard and, brought him to the highway there, what he, his house uh, ran next to and started selling them. And ever since then, he's been hustling to try to find new ways to help people out. And now he owns a successful concrete company in uh, Marietta. So it's, it, I love, I love bringing people's stories out like that. Cause it's all like you probably find in your, interviews it's all kind of connected there's a thread of something there so i am blown away because i did not realize this like i i didn't realize the background of marietta stories mm. like i i had seen your bio and i knew i wanted you on but i didn't realize what the podcast was truly about until just now and the reason i'm blown away is because i went out with my family this past weekend and I was thinking about how we live in a relatively quiet, well, we, I live outside of Dayton, Ohio, mm -hmm. and compared to other places that I've lived, I've lived in Chicago and I've lived in outside of New York City, you know, it's very small and a lot of people know a lot of people just because, you know, like first degree of separation or second degree of separation, but there are so many awesome people in the mm -hmm. Miami Valley, which is what the area is called, mm -hmm. that I will probably never cross paths with. And the reason, well, I'm going to say it again, but the reason why I'm blown away is because as I was driving, I was thinking that would make a really great podcast. Yeah. I was thinking about, you know, the people of Walmart, that, that series, I was thinking the people of the <laughs> Miami Valley, mm -hmm. getting them on and you may have you may have just given me a further nudge. Not that I need another podcast right now. Mm -hmm. I have enough going on, but I'm going to have to give more thought to it because I would love that. Just knowing more about the people of mm -hmm. the like the five counties around me and being able to even connect them to each other and and it it just would provide so much opportunity and growth and com camaraderie. Absolutely. And I'm convinced 
that every every like uh, Marietta is sixty something thousand people. Every city that size and bigger will have it's a local podcast. Um, and it only makes sense. My cost is way, way lower than the Marietta Daily Journal and any radio stations and TV and all that other stuff. And I can do in-depth interviews with anybody. And, it, you know, I just show up and I have all my stuff's portable. And I'm convinced that if your listeners don't know where to start, that's a great place to start because I show up with a mic. I it's amazing what people tell you when you have a mic in your hand. And I can ask questions that I wouldn't do if I didn't have the mic and get to a level of depth with them that I wouldn't do. Cause it would be, it would be somewhat creepy to do it. Like if you just met somebody, but if you have a mic and you have media behind what you're doing, it's, it's very easy to do. And it's also easy to get sponsors and people always talk about, trying to get sponsors. Well, it's easy. People reached out to me and said, Bill, I'd love to sponsor your show. I'm a real estate agent, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I cover all my costs through it. Uh, I don't charge for the episodes. And people are reaching out to me left and right to be on the show. And, and And it's a real easy way to get credibility. And like I said, if you're not doing one for the Miami Valley, somebody's probably going to start here soon. Oh, I know. I I was thinking about that after I said it. I was like, maybe I need to do it a little bit faster. And I I have to share that another reason I was thinking about it was because there's a restaurant right here in my town that was the last restaurant in a family chain of restaurants Mm -hmm. and it closed just a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and I was thinking about that I think that was another reason why I was thinking about this very much how you were just talking about sponsors is that this would give an opportunity yes a paid opportunity but for businesses in the area to promote themselves and to get people into their establishment and there are so many people listening to podcasts right now Bill, I don't know whether to thank you or curse you for getting <laughs> for probably yeah. pushing well, me a lot faster than I was intending to go on this, but I really think it needs to be done. Yeah, and I'll tell you a quick story. That's, so what I see now a lot is there's a disconnect between someone's online presence and the way they are. And I met this guy named Anthony Bammer, and he's a, a physical therapist, but he also has a side hustle us called Synovia Wellness. And I interviewed the guy on a Saturday. He, he reached out to me. I said, sure, I'll interview him. So I show up on a Saturday and this guy is, he's the nicest guy. He's young, uh, but he, he serves uh, people with arthritis, diabetes, uh, you know, any kind of, uh, whether they're overweight, bariatric patients. And He's serving that community, and they love him. I mean, I got to talk to him after some of the folks in his class after they worked out, and they all loved him. And They have an app where they keep themselves accountable throughout the week when they're not in class, and he's changing lives. And if you read any of his online stuff, it just really doesn't align too well with that. And I'm like, I want to help these guys. I did some funny videos with him. and they're going to pay me in a, you know, biweekly or whatever versus a normal contract. But I want to really help these guys because I know what they're doing. One, it, it 
uh, it's important and it's needed. And two, I want folks to know outside of Marietta that there's some great people in here, but if you just pass them on the street, like you were saying, you'd never know it. And I hate to have their stories not being told. Absolutely. My husband works in a e-cigarette shop. Mm -hmm. He's a full-time manager there. And I was even thinking about the story of one of the owners of his shop. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he used to be a air, um, I don't know if he was in the military, but his, before he retired, he was a air, he was at the airport in the tower, Mm -hmm. um, Whatever air they call it, you know. Controller. Thank you. Air traffic controller. Brain fart. It happens on positive productivity. But that's such an interesting transition. And there's so many stories behind mm-hmm. all local business owners, just like you, just like me. How did mm-hmm. we get here? And it's getting out there and it's sharing those stories, which you are so right. I mean, you go to the website for this, for this vape shop and you don't know a thing about those <laughs> stories, but you hear about them. And then you just want to go in and meet the person and support right. their cause. And, yep. and yeah. I, I uh, interviewed a guy that has a handmade leather shop, Go Forth Goods. And I got his story. I didn't know this, uh, but he's dyslexic. He barely made it through high school, started doing design work, and started a company at age 21. Then he's, a strap broke on his leather bag, and he started thinking I can do better than this. And he started making his own. He didn't know anything about leather or how to work it or anything, figured it out. And then he's worked in from his garage and now he's got a a brick and mortar uh, place in Marietta. But what I love about that story is that's great. And, and other people can start businesses the same way where like for me, I just have the equipment, don't have an office but I'm not leveraging having to get customers in one day. I can grow it however it's going to grow and then make adjustments as it goes. And uh, it's, there's a lot more democracy and there's a lot more creativity involved in business development than there's ever, there ever has been, especially for someone like me. I don't have a business degree. I don't know anything about business. We have the business degree of school of hard knocks and life experiences, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, Bill, started my first business after buying a magazine from my former mother-in-law. I was going to give it to her for Christmas. And I started peeking through the pages and saw this scrapbooking tool that I was fascinated in. I wasn't interested in scrapbooking. I had to throw this out there. I I just wanted this die cutting tool. Mm. If, If you or listeners aren't, um, familiar with what a die cutting tool is in this case it's just this handheld tool that would cut shapes out of paper mm-hmm. and I was just blown away I don't know why but I bought one and I felt the need to justify spending $70 mm-hmm. so I thought I would just start making die cuts and selling them on eBay and it quickly took off wow. And the business went for about five years. I made all the possible mistakes that you could possibly make in an mm-hmm. e-commerce business. And I mean, all of them. Yep. And when the door shut, I was making 25 cents a day, mm-hmm. but so, so much. And podcasting was around then. I don't, I don't know, but maybe if I could go back and do anything different, maybe a podcast would have been yep. helpful 
in helping that business thrive. But again, that was that was 2010. So while podcasts were around, they definitely weren't around like they are now and getting mm-hmm. all the exposure that yeah. we're seeing. I mean, Facebook was barely off the ground in 2010 for the general public as we know it today. But yeah. Bill, how do you balance it all? You have your you you have your job. Mm-hmm. And then you do your podcast. How do you make sure that you're taking time for self-care and the important other things in your life? Well, that's a great question because I don't think we talk enough about it. But I take Saturday mornings, I typically go on a bike ride. And like I was telling you earlier, as a kid, my brother and I used to just take off on our bikes and do whatever. And to me, I, I, I go on a trail that's bikes only. So I... I uh, can listen to a podcast or uh, audible book. Uh, and I'm amazed at how many ideas I come up with just being out and doing that. So it's, it's not like it's a waste of time. And if I feel like, you know, especially podcasting, as you know, <clears throat> sometimes you get ahead on episodes and sometimes you get a little behind, but it's nice right now. I'm like four weeks ahead. Uh, so I don't have to, if I don't feel like doing a podcast interview, I can just let it go for a little while. So I always try to gauge myself because as you know, you're listening for the listener. It's not for you. So I want to make sure when I'm, and I'm telling somebody's story that really hasn't been told. So I want to take the time and effort, uh, to do it right and do the best I can given all the other constraints. And uh, so I'm always looking for, like, if I feel like, hey, I want to do some more episodes, I really loved it, I'll just do two or three in a week and get, you know, four or five weeks ahead. Of t- ahead, And then, uh, and, and I even, I've been doing my own editing recently. And to me, it's almost like knitting where I can, it's not a big deal for me to do. And I kind of enjoy it. And so I'll find ways to kind of, work in the things I need to get done and do it in a way where I don't get frustrated. Cause to me, you know what it's like when you're on a podcast, people know what kind of person you are. It's hard when you're talking to this, the kinds of things we talk about, people really get to know you pretty well. So I don't want to be like upset and, and agitated on the podcast. Cause they'll think that's the way I am. So I like to make sure I'm taking time for myself checking in with myself absolutely and not putting out content just for the sake of putting out content but actually making sure that it's good content I often wind I I often have the issue where I can't think of content for my solo episodes which is all my odd Mm -hmm. number episodes and last night I actually had the situation where I was trying to get to sleep but I kept on having solo content episodes ideas just flood my brain i was like do i get out of bed and write these down or do i pray that there's they'll still be here in the morning <laughs> what happened I, I lost one yeah. one disappeared last night but this morning i was able to batch record about five i think five solo episodes so now that puts me back up to where i where i can be too but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put out let me try that again. I'm not going to record solo episodes just with nonsense. Yeah. Is what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, that's great. And uh, 
I don't think we realize this, but like for me, I was always in a box, you know, I was, I was most people are where they, <clears throat> I was in school, then the military, then school, then work. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, all these other roles. So I have to act a certain way. Uh, and I wasn't used to having this much freedom. I remember telling uh, a guy that was helping me before I launched my podcast, I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel real comfortable publishing and he's like why not I said, what if nobody listens he said then nobody's gonna hear you you know and i said that's true i said what if a bunch of people listen and, and they start you know attacking me on social media because but, but a bunch of people are listening and you're having an impact so give yourself a break just do it and see what happens and it was such good advice but that's not the way you're taught you know <laughs> you're taught to act or think a certain way when it comes to putting yourself out there. You know? Oh yeah. Like I can't imagine being able to go back 30 something years and tell my parents I was going to put out a podcast and talk about my imperfections right. and my lack of cooking skills. Right. They would have been like, no, you don't, you, you really don't need to share that. <laughs> Nobody needs to know that you can burn Mac and cheese out of a box, right. but by putting it out there, I have a sick kid home at, home today mm. and he just said yes when I said burn mac and cheese <laughs> out of a box he agrees <laughs> I mean it's all part of the experience positive pro productivity does not mean perfection right. and I just want to encourage listeners don't be afraid of sharing who you really are because you will not believe how much more of a connection you can get with people around you just by being more transparent more authentic right. about the true you absolutely I, I second that. Yeah. Uh, whenever I do a podcast interview with someone, every so often there's a magical moment that occurs. And I'd like to think it's because I create that environment through my questioning and just being open-minded and, and want to really know them. But to me, at the end, you want them to be reminded of why they're going through all the effort they're going through and dealing with all the stuff they deal with. Uh, but you want to reinforce that it's all for a reason. And to me, that it depends on you as the interviewer. And, and it's so much fun when it happens. It's just fun. Oh, I agree too. Yeah, that I... I started the podcast just hoping to help one person. And when I... When I received that first thank you, mm -hmm. I was blown away. Yeah. I got tears in my eyes. Yeah. And the same thing happened with each consecutive. Mm -hmm. And every time it's, I, I'm not looking for, I'm not on a million person mission. Would I love to help a million people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But right now I'm just looking for that next person. It's cool. What is your mission, Bill? My mission is to bring, I, I think everyone has a story and their story needs to get out. Hmm. I love that because everybody really does. They, they do, but you got to listen. That's the tough part. You got to listen. I had to be quiet there because I, I was, um, I was going to say, yeah, but then I realized that's not really listening, but yeah. So, so often we just try to fill the void, you know, with more words yeah. and we're not really listening. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Bill, yeah. this has been an absolute pleasure. Where can listeners find you online and connect with you? 
Well, uh, they can go to my website, uh, nowikimedia.com or uh, mariettastories.com to see what that's all about. Or you can email me, bill at mariettastories.com. And I'd love to help folks, especially if you want to start a local podcast and uh, have some questions. I can tell you what kind of gear to use, how to start and uh I, I just predict it's so easy to get once it gets rolling that uh, everybody's going to have them and don't wait if you have any inkling, especially if you have a business. I mean, it's a great way to get to know people in town. And then when they're ready to buy from you, they'll do it because they already know you. Absolutely. Listeners, Bill's links will be in the show notes, which you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP286. Bill, thank you so much again. Do you have a last piece of parting advice or a golden nugget that you can share with listeners? Yeah. And uh, this goes back to my, what I've learned in podcasting, but it's better to start than analyze. And I, I had to learn that lesson uh, and it was hard to start, but Go ahead and start, and then you can always adjust it. But especially if you want to start a podcast, a local podcast, go ahead and start and then ask for feedback and then adjust. Don't wait. Don't analyze. Don't spend too much time. Just do it. Have you requested your seven-day free version of the Positive Productivity Planner yet? If not, I want to encourage you to go over to thekimsutton.com forward slash 7DP and pick up your copy today. This free version of the planner is going to help get you on track of leading a more positive and productive personal and professional life. Again, you can get your copy at thekimsutton.com forward slash 7DP.